Tim. Thank you, worship team. Uh, thank you. We have worshiped this morning. Amen. We could probably go home. Amen. Amen. The Seahawks game is already over, so we're not going to go home yet. Amen? All right. It's kind of a, a harsh transition between worship and communion and then going into talking. So turn to your neighbor and tell them your favorite place to person watch, to people watch. Ready, set, go. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Well, that worked. That worked indeed. Somebody just shout out favorite place to uh, favorite place to people watch. North Town Mall. Airport. Airport. Ice skate rink. Walmart. Walmart. There's a couple people that said them. That's right. I had the opportunity yesterday to people watch. Uh, in the sixth largest town in Montana. Um, maybe I shouldn't call it a town. The sixth largest gathering. Um, from one to four yesterday, I was in the uh, University of Washington um, Grizzly. Not Washington, wow. University of Montana Grizzly Stadium. And at 25,000 people, it was the sixth largest gathering in Montana. Um, and I enjoyed people watching, right? Because you got to see the fans from the Grizzlies. You got to see the fans from Cheney. I grew up in Montana. I live 30 minutes from Cheney. So, you know, it's fun. I like to people watch, um, especially when it's on my terms. And I can start it and I can stop it. And then I can be done with it. Because people watching requires crowds. Yes? Huh? Who won? All the Grizzlies won. Yeah. It was, not, it was 63 to 7. By the time three minutes were game and gone, by the time three minutes were gone in the game, there we go, the game was over. So um, the problem with people watching for me is it involves crowds, all right? I'm not a big fan of crowds, but if you just person watch, that's creepy, <laughs> right? I mean, you can get arrested for that, uh, and I don't want that. So I like people watching. I don't like crowds. Jesus had a thing with crowds. We, we, kept, we keep coming back to that. We're going to jump into Mark chapter 6 today, and we're going to look at his response to crowds. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there with me. Um, as you're turning or as you, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray, and then we're, we're going to dive in. Uh, God, thank you for the time we've already worshipped this morning. I thank you for this community of people who have gathered, who have lifted you up in song, uh, who have remembered uh, through the sacrament of communion, uh, there's people who have worshipped in giving as well and, and sharing the stories of what God is doing in and through them. Uh, Lord, I pray that through our time in the word, that this would also be worship. Uh, Lord, hear my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so over the last couple of weeks, maybe four, five, six, seven, or eight weeks, I have repeated this phrase, another day, another boat ride, another crowd, right? If you've been here over the last few weeks, you've heard me say that. It seems like Jesus is very good at welcoming the crowds. So we're just going to call it what it is. Um, he welcomes the crowds. 
And oftentimes what we've seen so far is over the, uh, the course of the first were we in chapter six? First five chapters in, in Mark, the crowds will gather, they'll be all around, and he'll single out a person or two, and then we'll, we'll watch as he engages them. And that's what we've been focused in on. Today, we're going to look at broad strokes, and we're going to see how he engages the crowds and what we can learn from that. It's going to be a slightly different message this morning, uh, because it's going to, I was going to say because it's going to be fun, but that makes it sound like all the other <laughs> messages aren't fun. Um, it's slightly different this morning. I'm actually going to invite up Nicole. Um, come on up, Nicole. As Nicole is coming up here, uh, for those who don't know, Nicole is a follower of Jesus. She loves Jesus. Uh, she also loves her husband, who happens to be Kyle, sitting in the back. Uh, everybody say hi, Nicole. Everybody say hi, Kyle. Very good. Nicole also is a mother of four fantastic daughters. Uh, amazing, cute. Uh, if you remember the children's message like three Sundays back, one of hers was the one who was the most passionate about Jesus wins. It was awesome. Uh, Nicole volunteers in a couple different places here at the church and also um, in outside places. Um, so she's just all around awesome sauce. <laughs> Say, Nicole, you're awesome sauce. Isn't that fun? Yeah. So you get to set up here so you can people watch with them. Um, she's going to help me. Um, I figured you guys get to hear me talk enough. So we're going to actually cover the entire uh, chapter of Mark chapter 6. And some of you guys are like, James, you know what time it is? I do. <laughs> yeah? Don't worry. This is going to be fun. She's going to read a story. And I'm going to tell you just a quick little lesson from the crowd. Uh, a lesson of how Jesus engages or what we can learn from what he's doing with the crowd. I, I initially titled this message, Overcrowded. Um, I might have been able to call it uh, crowd control, way too many people, or just find lessons from the crowd. Um, so, Nicole, are you good? Yeah. Let's see. The light is on. There we go. Perfect. So, Nicole is going to, if you guys want to follow along, you can. If you want to just sit and listen to the story, close your eyes and uh, imaginate. Nicole, start us off. All right. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Crowd number one. Life lesson from crowd number one. Family can be finicky, right? We're entering into a season where you're going to gather around the table with your friends, with your family, and just know going in, they can be finicky, all right? You, you have a full house, Nicole. You, you do. You got four daughters. I pray for you three or four times a day. Um, <laughs> I pray for God. 
<laughs> Don't raise your hands. How many of you are looking forward to spending time around the table with your family or friends? Don't raise your hands. Okay, don't raise your hands. Okay, that way if you don't raise your hand, your neighbor won't know how you really feel. Um, it's not just the, the Jesus' family that makes up this home crowd, but it's, it's, you know, his classmates that he grew up going to school with. It's the people in the neighborhood, and all those crowds can be finicky. We see in verse 2 that he returns to Nazareth. Uh, as far as we know, this is his first time back in Mark chapter 5. He's probably been back before, but this is really his first time back since kicking off his ministry. And my guess is the, the hometown crowd had been watching from afar. My guess is they followed him on, on his social media accounts, right? When he was like, hashtag uh, crowded in Capernaum or hashtag crowd life, right? They probably liked it or, you know, hearted it or whatever uh, the cool kids were doing back then. Um, you know, word would have got around of, of what he was saying, what he was doing, and they probably would have just scratched their head like, Jesus? Right? So he comes home, and the entire town probably shows up. Uh, he goes to the synagogue like he's done in all the, other, all the other places that he's gone to, and he starts to teach. And they're amazed. That's what the text says. I mean, perhaps they didn't hear him talk all that much growing up. We don't know. Maybe he was a shy kid. Um, but they're amazed. But their amazement turned really quickly to what Nicole's translation said was scoffing. I don't know what yours says, but the, the Greek literally means uh, to be offended at, to cause to stumble, uh, to put a snare in the way. Now, Jesus wasn't himself putting a snare in the way of the home crowd, but their familiarity with him was causing them to stumble. I mean, imagine what they're thinking. Oh, Jesus, yeah, Mary, Mary's kid. Um, good talk, good speech, we like it, uh, but follow you? No. You know, let what you say affect our lives? No. You rode your donkey around our, our neighborhood, and you let your donkey mess on my yard. I'm not going to follow you. They were offended at, his fami at the familiarity with him. So listen, life lesson number one, crowds can be finicky. Know that if you go home for the holidays, they may welcome you, but if you share your heart, if you share your story, if you share what's weighing on you, there's a chance that because of their familiarity with you, uh, they're going to push you away. Just a chance. Life lesson number one from a crowd. Fair enough? Let's keep going. Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people. And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, Shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. This is one of the few passages in Mark's gospel where it doesn't start off with, and a crowd surrounded Jesus. But there's an implied crowd in here. Uh, you probably may have seen that in verses 12 or 13, where it says the disciples told everyone they met. Uh, they cast out many demons. They healed many sick people. 
so there's an implied crowd here. And the lesson we can learn from this is that uh, you're not supposed to face crowds alone. I mean, this is what Jesus is doing. I, I, I don't think Jesus was sitting at home on his couch eating bonbons and watching I Love Lucy reruns while the disciples went out and worked. I think he was out there working as well. But I think what we see him do here is say, hey, the, the crowds can be scary. They can, they can have an effect on you. So don't face the crowds alone. Uh, delegate to somebody. Share the load. Let others help. Uh, if nothing else, it brings you company as you face the crowds, and they can actually speak truth into your life, because if you start getting crowds of people that are, that are following you, um, it could go to your head. So Jesus says, you know, don't do this alone. Um, go out in pairs, take a friend, take a battle buddy, uh, get a different perspective on things. It's a good reminder for us that as we enter into this season, that we should go with people. Okay, so life lesson number two, don't face the crowds alone. Nicole? Herod Antipas, the king, soon heard about Jesus because everyone was talking about him. Some were saying, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. Others said, he's the prophet Elijah. Still others said, he's a prophet like the great prophets of the past. When Herod heard about Jesus, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has come back from the dead. For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected John, and knowing he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and the leading citizens ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. There we go. Okay. Sweet. We're good. Thanks. Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. Then his daughter, also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. Ask me for anything you like, the king said to the girl, and I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. She went out and asked her mother, what should I ask for? Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Gross. <laughs> then the king deeply regretted what he had said, but because of the vows he had made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in the prison, brought his head on a tray, and gave it to the girl, who took it to her mother. 
When John's disciples heard what had happened, they came to get his body and buried it in a tomb. Ezra had the most profound uh, American English word during that, ser- that, that section. She said, ew. So uh, let's all say that together, ew. In the English language, that means ew. What a story. I mean, this gospel kicked off with Jesus welcoming in this crazy guy from the desert, and then we get to this point, and I mean, Jesus had to wonder, do I want to be a prophet in this region? Because look at what happens. Um, Aside from the the mention of Herod thinking that maybe John was Jesus or Jesus was John, we don't see Jesus in this story very much, but we still learn a life lesson from the crowd. It's the same life life lesson that your grandma probably told you or your mom told you. Crowds can get you into trouble. Don't follow the crowd. And that's ultimately why Herod got himself in, uh, in trouble here. You, you heard all the people he invited. He gave a party for his high government officials, his army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. So it was a good-sized party. And then they started uh, enjoying themselves. And he made a promise that was a huge promise that he had to fulfill because it was made in front of the crowd. So crowds can get you into trouble. Mom was right. Nicole? The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by the boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Everybody say, wow. 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 You know, we tend to to title this the feeding of the 5,000, but I hope you've made the connection it's the feeding of the 5,000 men, right? They probably had wives. They probably had children. So let's say they had a family of five times 5,000. I mean, they're sitting in the uh, Grizzly Stadium with 25,000 people, Um, And this is probably the largest recorded crowd that we see Jesus around. Um, He may have been around bigger crowds, but this is the largest recorded crowd. And it starts off with every introvert's dream of what Jesus were to say to them. It's too busy. There's too many people. 
Let's go away for a while. Let's get away from the crowd so you can have some peace and quiet so, so you can breathe. That's the, the first half of verse 31. And I read that and I'm like, all right, Jesus, you can stop right there. But the second half of verse 31 says, but there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. It's not the first time we've seen this, is it? Chapter 3, verse 20, uh, Jesus went into a house. It says that uh, he and his disciples, it was so crowded that they didn't have time to eat. And then his family, which can be fickle, right? We already covered that, said that he was crazy. So we're seeing that, you know, the, the disciples, they had packed their brown bag lunch because Jesus said, let's go get away. Let's have a retreat. And they're so excited to get away from everybody. And then Jesus says, no, put, put the lunch back in the fridge. Get the to-go box because um, we're going to invite them to stay for dinner. <laughs> Can you imagine the disciples? Them? All of them? One of my favorite words in the Greek New Testament is this word compassion that we see. Uh, verse 34, you know, it's got Jesus, they had left in a boat, right, to go off to a quiet place. Many people recognized where he was going. People from many towns followed ahead. So in verse 34, it says, Jesus saw the huge crowd, and, and then it says, so he pulled over his cloak, and he asked the, the shepherds, or not the shepherds, the, the uh, disciples to raise the, the pirate flag so that they wouldn't want to come near the boat. And then they, they sailed a little further up the shore, and then they got out, and they had their time of retreat and rest, and not what it says. No, it says Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. Uh, if you are any, any time within the last six months or now newer, um, you may or may not have heard me explain this, this word compassion. I love it because in the Greek, it literally means to have your insides turning about. Uh, it means to have them churning and twisting. And, and there's like, uh, you know, we say the word compassion and we think, oh, he felt sorry for them. No, uh, the Greek uses the word compassion, and Jesus had no other option but to respond. 25 years ago, Abby and I were in the middle phases of our, our dating relationship, and I had come over from Helena, Montana to visit her at Whitworth during a Jan term, and she invited me to go to her Jan term class with her one morning, and she didn't know I was a big breakfast eater, so when I came over to pick her up, she, she gave me a half a piece of toast and a small cup of orange juice, and we were still dating, so I didn't have the courage to say, "Hun, I need like an eight-egg omelet and all that, right? So I, I took it and I drank it and we went to class. And once you know what, the, the class was having a quiz that day. And two minutes into the quiz, when everything's quiet, my stomach started having compassion. <laughs> it was turning. It was gurgling. It, was, it sounded like the custodial crew was out moving uh, bleachers in the gym. And I wish I would have known this word, compassion, back then, because I kid you not, every single person in that class taking a quiz at some point looked up, <laughs> looked at me, and I would have said, compassion, I have compassion on you. Jesus was literally moved to do something for that crowd, right? The disciples came and said, send them away, we've got our lunch, and he said, no, <laughs> you feed them. And then we see this amazing, this, this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus, right? Um, here's a life lesson from this. Sometimes sticking with the crowd is necessary. But sometimes, if, even if we're introverts, we have to stick around, but God's going to provide for us and for the crowd for, for what, whatever is needed. Um, three Christmases ago, we did our first outdoor Christmas Eve service, 
and we didn't know how many people were going to attend because it was cold, it was snowy, and it was outdoors. So we thought, well, we'll be thankful if, if 20 people show up. And over 120 showed up. I think we have a picture. Um, just gathered around a couple of fire pits. It was uh, one of the best services that uh, I've ever had here. So I learned that day and I'm reminded this day that sometimes we have to stick with the crowd and God's going to provide for them. So if, the, if God brings the crowd and if you are so moved, pun intended, come on, that's supposed to be funny. Gurgle, gurgle. <laughs> Thank you. If you're so moved, God will provide. All right, Nicole, keep going because they're not laughing at my jokes. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. After they had crossed the lake, they landed in Gennesaret. They brought the boat to the shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. Jesus welcomed the crowds. That's what we're seeing, right? And we're learning life lessons from, from his interactions with the crowds. Um, as I read this section this past week, I thought to myself, come on, Jesus, that's a little excessive. Like, did you catch what he did at the mega church picnic? Um, verse 45, Jesus says to the disciples, okay, it's time for you guys to get away because that's what we've been trying to do for a while, get in the boat and go. And it says, he stuck around and sent the people home after telling everyone goodbye. He went up into the hills by himself to pray. Nathan, you're an introvert. Uh, you can talk to at best five people on a Sunday, on a good day. Okay. Some Sundays. In a church our size, uh, I've, I've actually been asked before, Pastor, could you go stand at the end when we're done and just greet everybody as they leave, right? Uh, my pastor did that growing up. We had a church of 24. It was fine, right? But a church even this size, uh, if you have to wait in line, you're not going to get home in time for lunch. Imagine 5,000 men and their families, Jesus saying goodbye to everyone. trying to figure out the life lesson for this, like run at church picnics. Um, this was a great reminder to me of both Jesus' divinity and his humanity, 
all right? Because only a divine person could shake hands and hug 20,000 people and be good with it. Um, but it also reminded us of his humanity because at the end of it, he needed to go away and pray. He needed to get away from the crowds. So this was, again, another day, another boat ride, boat ride and another crowd. Uh, did you catch how this ended, this story? <laughs> another crowd, right? Uh, they went across the lake. Uh, they brought the boat to shore. People recognized Jesus at once. They ran throughout the entire area, carrying sick people on mats. Wherever he went, in villages or cities or countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch him, or at least the fringe of his robe, because they had heard about the lady last week, and all who touched him were healed. Jesus welcomed the crowds. Some life lessons from Mark chapter 6. If you're looking for deep and profound... They're in there. Um, and after I pray, uh, after I uh, give the benediction, I'm going to ask you guys to turn to a neighbor as you're leaving and just tell them which of those stories stuck out to you the most and maybe why. All right? And if you don't want to do that, uh, just leave really quick and don't look at anybody. <laughs> Fair enough? What crowd might Jesus be calling you to in the next week or two or three months? What crowd might you want to get away from, and yet he's saying, eh, stick around, because I'm going to provide for you. Um, what crowd might he be saying, I want you to feel for them, feel deeply, be moved for them, and actually do something for them. Jesus welcomed the crowd, but he taught us some good lessons about what to do with them. Allow me to pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for this time that we have been able to look at your interactions with the crowds. I thank you for what we can learn. Lord, I thank you for the truths that were in here. Everything from uh, home crowds being finicky to uh, even you are divine and, uh, and fully human. Uh, Lord, may we, may we learn from today. Uh, may it bring a smile to our face when we, when we think of it. But ultimately, we want to leave changed people because we have interacted with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you guys give Nicole a round of applause? Thank you. That was fantastic. You, yeah, you can, you can go ahead. A um, couple quick announcements before I dismiss you. Uh, first is this, 31 Gifts, the women's ministry, today at the church from 3 to 5. If you have any questions, talk to Melody, uh, who will be hanging out, shaking hands with everybody as they leave. <laughs> Uh, don't forget to sign up for DJ's tour. Uh, he may be back there also, and if he's not, just sign your friends up too, because it's going to be a really fun thing. And don't forget, save the date, December 18th, uh, children's, there's a children's Christmas play, 4 o'clock. Uh, before we go, um, this past Friday, I believe, was Veterans Day. And we want to take a moment to honor those, uh, both who have served and, and those who have been affected by those who have served. So uh, those who have served, whether currently active duty, whether uh, veteran, whether retired, uh, I invite you to stand and stay standing. Now you guys stay, stay standing, okay? Uh, those who have had active duty or those who have had family members serve, uh, whether it's immediate family or extended family, go ahead and stand with those who have served. Because this is more than just uh, than those who are standing. Okay? Now, if you have had a friend 
serve or you know of somebody who has served, go ahead and stand. And if you're not standing, I want you to think back to the first group of people that stood and go and introduce yourself to them. Um, okay, in, in all candidness, we are able to gather on a Sunday morning in a very real way because of your guys' service. Uh, men and women, we thank you for what you have done. Uh, from the deepest part of me and from those who are here, we do greatly appreciate your service. And as you can tell, we are all affected by those who have served. So let's remember that. Let's make sure we don't just thank a veteran on one day a year, uh, but let's make sure that we are doing all we can uh, to love them and those around us every day. Okay? Um, soon as I say amen, find somebody new or old and tell them which of these stories, not age, old-wise. Um, <laughs> Oh, goodness, I'm going to stop now. Tell them your favorite story and why. All right. As you're going this week, look for the crowds. And as you find those crowds, may God bless you and protect you. May he smile upon you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace so that his way would be known on all the earth. Amen? amen. And amen. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.